Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host to the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. Today, I am so honored to be in the presence of Lieutenant Colonel Harold Ashton. Would you just say hi to us really quick? Hi, happy to be here. It is truly, I feel so honored to have you here. Um, he just wrote a book, which we'll talk a little bit more about on the podcast, um, and his years of service experience. And I'm so grateful for what you've done for this country and for what you've taught us through your book, that you're still passing on that that service that you've done now. And so thank you truly from both me and our podcast listeners. Thank you so much for your service. We are so honored to have you here today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I look forward to it. Thank you. We are so excited. We're going to hear about him in the Air Force flying airplanes and his experience with that. But we're going to pause for a moment for our sponsors. We're so grateful for our sponsors here at the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. They make this podcast possible. So it's really important. Tune in, listen in to our sponsors, and we'll get right into our conversation. Have you ever felt scared swiping your card at a cash register, not knowing if it would be declined or maxed out on your credit limit? Believe me, I've been there, holding my breath, waiting to check out. Thankfully, all of that fear melted away and turned into confidence when I took a financial literacy course. The PowerPay Money Master course has changed my experience at the cash register from fearful to fearless. The online course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. USU Extension is offering a free Money Master course to all Full Confidence Ahead listeners. Go to extensioncourses.usu edu slash Katie Ann Powell and add the Money Master course to your cart. The link will give you the $40 course for free. You can also get the course discount by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category. Use the code Katie Ann, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N with no spaces at checkout to claim your $40 discount and free course. Okay, we are back and we are so excited to have Lieutenant Colonel Harold Ashton here with us. Lieutenant Colonel. Okay, that's quite the title. Let me, correct, let me correct you one thing. It, we pronounce it Alston. Oh, Alston. My yeah. goodness, I'm so glad you corrected me <laughs> with that. That's important. Lieutenant Colonel Harold Alston. You know, I've been reading the book and reading last names for so long. You, you pronounce it in your head, you know? <laughs> So I'm yeah, so it's, glad it's, you corrected. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I've been called so worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pronunciations is always a thing, huh? People sure. get it right, people get it wrong. Um, and what's important, it was really, so you're a lieutenant colonel, then you, you served our country, but you didn't start as this title. And you worked your way up through the Air Force and through flying. So I want to hear about why did you even start into this profession? What inspired you? You know, that's a good question. But uh, one thing, when I was about uh, 14 years old, I set five goals that I wanted to meet during my life. And uh, those goals... Uh, one one was I wanted to be an Eagle Scout. Mm. And another one was I wanted to uh, 
graduated from a university mm-hmm. and I wanted to be married in the temple mm. and I wanted to have a family. I grew up in a family of three sisters and wonderful parents. So, and, and then the last thing I wanted was to uh, fly a jet by myself once. And I don't know where that came from because uh, I wasn't going to take flying lessons or I didn't have that aspiration. I used to build models and things like that. Uh, but really, that's that's how uh, I, I got going. And so uh, I guess I looked up to a couple of cousins. They were World War II pilots. And then my oldest sister got married, and he went to pilot training and became very successful in the Air Force. And I thought, you know, that looks like a pretty good life to me. Hmm. And uh, so uh, I I was surprised because, as you read in the book, I was coerced into applying (laughs) for pilot training because I never thought I I could even fly an airplane. I didn't have that much confidence. What a beautiful story. Tell us a little bit, for those of the people on the podcast who haven't read your book yet, which I want to pause our, to our listeners, we have a wonderful book that you can read about his story. And it's, why do I find myself in these situations? I'm holding it right now because I just finished it. And it was stunning and beautiful and informative. And we'll, t- we'll re-announce that again at the end of the podcast. So they can, you can look up the b- book and read it. But tell us a little bit about that coercion into starting pilot training and flying. <laughs> well, you know, I think I grew up uh, a little bashful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like being singled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving talks in church or something like that. Uh, I took piano lessons for four years and then I had to play in church one time and that scared the pudding out of me. And and uh, the annual rehearsals, I, I just didn't like. I, I was scared to death. Uh, when I, But when I got... Uh, coerced into applying for cadets and, and uh, made it. Uh, it. It went on for about three days, I think, because we had an upper class. And you've heard, heard about, uh, how, you know, being teased and having to do push-ups and things like that. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to single myself out and I'm going to do everything they tell me, and I'm going to be better than they are. Mm. And I think that gave me the confidence to do whatever I did after that. I think that's a theme. I, I love that you said that. And I think I see that theme throughout your whole entire book and your whole entire life experiences. You you had this go-getter attitude, I think, from that moment on um, in the cadets and, and beyond of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be the best at this. Where did that motivation come from? Or how did you pull that out of yourself? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> I, I just uh, got over my fears of, uh, of being singled out and, uh, I saw what other people did, whether it was, uh, in their conversations or their physical abilities. And, and I just started doing, say, 
I'm as good as he is. And uh, what have I got to worry about? Mm. So I could do as many push-ups or sit-ups or <laughs> things like that or memorize, uh, you know, materials that cadets always had to do. And so uh, I, I think that was that was it. But, you know, as far as the military goes, I uh, had those two cousins and and my brother-in-law, and I thought, uh, you know, they're living a pretty good life. And I think maybe that's a good way to go. Because hmm. I thought I, my first goal about college was to be a stockbroker. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and if I were one today, I'm, I'm glad I'm not one today. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit stressful right now in this market. <laughs> Let's that's just right. say that. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yes. No, I love how you were just saying is, you looked at the guy next to you and rather than this comparison spirit, you just said, I can do that too. And I, what I heard from you is you also just dug in and said, okay, I'm going to learn this all. I'm going to do this. And I think rather than a lot of us tend to be in a comparison spirit when we're trying new things, but you just said, I'm going to learn. And you took that initiative. And I think we can all learn from your example. And I want to know, how was it adjusting to the cadet life? You're going from living in in kind of a more normal traditional life into the cadet schedule which is a lot pretty rigorous well it was and uh you know there were jillions of rules that we had to comply with and uh it wasn't just the rules of of the military it was also the desires of the upper class because as a cadet mm -hmm. you're always going to have an upper class until you make <laughs> that last uh, stand as an upperclassman. And uh, I, I think just adapting to that and, and trying to uh, overcome, well, I'll call them faults because thoughts are faults too. Hmm. If you think that you can't do something when you really can. So uh, I, I don't know, cadets, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to be the best cadet they've ever seen. And I'm sure I wasn't, but uh, I found out that, that when I did have that attitude and sit down and, and do, uh, you know, as many push-ups as they could, then they became my friend or I became their friend. And then they laid off things. And I was almost like one of them, even though I was a class behind. And I thought that was pretty remarkable because then they never teased me anymore. They never made me do push-ups or sit-ups. <laughs> and we, we talked about our homes and where we came from and things like that. So it was a little bit no, more normal. Wow. I, there's so much out of that that I love that you just said. And I like that you said that thoughts can be faults too, because if they're, if you don't think you can, when you really can, that that just sparked so many ideas in my head. And wow, that was very impactful. And the other thing is you being their friend and how that, that changed around. That's a beautiful story. I also want to know is, so you're, you're making friends with these upperclassmen. And I know there's times where you had long hours. I think one of my, my favorite chapters in your book was called cold pizza. And it's when <laughs> you, were, you were called back in um, to, and you had to fly a, a mission and it was 
in the middle of the night and then you were called back in you ordered pizza with a bunch of um, other people in your squadron and then you were called back out again and so everybody ate pizza and yours was cold when you came back and how sad that was and I I think that was so interesting to me to understand there's there's a lot of your schedule and agenda that you didn't have to control and you're pushing past limits of being tired and being fatigued and hungry. How did you learn to push those limits? Well, I think first off, flying is a lot more fun than eating dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Even though it's in the middle of the night. (laughs) That's a pretty simple answer, but uh, I, I think it's, it's probably number one in, in my list. <laughs> well, that makes a giggle. I love that. So you've truly found this passion for flying. I want to know, what was it like stepping into your first airplane? <laughs> or at least airplane to fly, not to like vacation or anything. Airplane that you were going to fly. Well, once I got to that, uh, that stage... Uh, and that came pretty fast, you know, as a cadet. And it was a pretty simple airplane. I, frankly, I'd never flown before until I was accepted to go to cadets. And believe it or not, I, I asked another pilot that I knew that had just gotten his license. I said, will you take me up? Because I don't even know what it's like. So we went up in a, in a little old Cessna, two-seat two uh, Cessna aircraft. And then I took an airliner to San Antonio. <laughs> Those were my first two flights. So oh so when I got goodness. so when I got to pilot training and uh, went out to a T thirty four, which was a pretty simple airplane, but it it had uh, you know all all the things that were necessary. I really looked forward to it. I thought it was fun. I thought, hey, I'm a flyer. <laughs> I'm not a pilot yet, but I'm a flyer. <laughs> and uh, so I paid good attention, and, and it came really pretty pretty easy to me. Wow. that's I, I like what you said. You said, I'm a flyer. I'm not a pl- pilot yet, but I'm a flyer. I, I want to have that attitude with a lot of my hobbies. There's so many I would like to get into. <laughs> and, you know, and sometimes there's barriers of learning and, um, with a new musical instrument or with other other things. And But I like that. Of Instead of being like, I'm a musician, like, oh, I enjoy music and I'll become a musician. That I just love that attitude that you had right there um, that I think set you up completely for success within the military. Well, I think it was successful because I was the first one in my class to solo even, which, which <laughs> wow. yielded, the, yielded to be tossed into the swimming pool fully dressed in my flight clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but no kidding, uh, you know, my name starts with an A. So uh-huh. I guess I was uh, scheduled, you know, the earlier flights and that yielded uh, earlier uh, times through the lessons. and. So uh, I thought, wow, if I'm the first one to to uh, solo in my class, you know, that's number one accomplishment. That's that's huge. Like that is a huge accomplishment to be <laughs> to be coerced into cadets to being the first one to fly solo. That's quite the quite the range right there. Um, there was another part that I loved in your book, and it was 
I, I really want to get your perspective on this in person. And it was when you were flying and it was a stormy day um, and you started getting vertigo in the plane because you couldn't, you couldn't really figure out where, where was the ground or where was the, the sky. And it, I, I never even mm-hmm. considered that. What was that like? How did you push it? How did you get through that scary experience? Well, we were trained for that uh, because we had uh, simulators and uh, uh, I just went back to the lessons that I'd learned and and that was, uh, that's called vertigo. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. And and that can happen in uh, all kinds of places, not just airplanes. Uh, Mine happened to be at night with uh, no clouds, stars above and lights below and you can't tell the difference if, and you move your head around so much that you, the the uh, fluid in your ears get messed up and that's why you can't tell whether you're right side up or upside down. And, and uh, so how do you cope with that? You uh, stop moving your head <laughs> <laughs> in my case, so that the uh, middle ear fluid would settle down and the cilia, the, the little, uh, uh, hairs that are in your ear that that get um, turned one way or another, so it'll settle down, and then you can tell right from <laughs> upside down to right side up. So it, it's just the way we were taught, and and it doesn't take long to do that. But on the other hand, there have been a lot of accidents caused uh, in that, especially if they're in weather, because you you don't have uh, references. <laughs> right. You know, if you're going through a cloud or something, you can't see the ground, you can't see the sky. Right. And I don't know if that answers um, your question. No, that answers perfectly. So you were really prepared for this too. So you've mm-hmm. been in simulators. Um, mm-hmm. That That's amazing to me. And I, I'm so grateful that you had that kind of a training. And what a scary situation and simple solution stops moving your head. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I want to know, because later on in your, your career through the cadets, you went back and you were a, a teacher for the cadets, a flight instructor, correct? Uh, not to cadets, but to uh, rated pilots, yeah. Checked yeah. them out in new airplanes and uh, new techniques and, and new things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you do when your student was flying and they were in situations such as vertigo or um, they had a panic moment? How did you coach them through um, more difficult or scary situations? I just told them what to do because uh, one of the stories in there is, you know, Horton, we flew into weather mm-hmm. and uh, I just took over the flight immediately and made him fly formation on me instead of vice versa like we were doing and uh, <laughs> just got out of the situation and, and avoided that flight you know I, mm-hmm. I didn't grade him uh, things like that so sometimes you have to do things that aren't going to count <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you have to especially as an instructor or a flight leader you know, it's on you and you've, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to make the decisions and you've got to do it safe for all, all of you. And that happened time after time after time in various places in my career. Mm. That's quite the position to be in. Did you enjoy being flying 
or did you enjoy being the flight instructor more? I love the flying. <laughs> <laughs> I got that I, from your book. As <laughs> you're going through. <laughs> I, I didn't mind the instructing because I knew more than they did. I mean, you you know, if you're instructing, you're always teaching somebody that doesn't have the the same knowledge that, that you have. Uh, but the flying part was, was great. Mm. And there was always something new. <laughs> you know, every landing is new. Every takeoff is new. Every time you go upside down, you're over something new. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just fun. It sounds like a pretty thrilling profession. And you said going upside down, which makes me want to ask about aerobatics in this sky. Mm-hmm. How was that? What was it like to do a flip or a turn or roll over? Well, it was exciting because it was something different. You know, if you're just flying straight and level from, you know, Salt Lake to Denver, you see sights, but the airplane's not doing anything. But when you can, you know, go upside down and look at the ground and, and uh, you know, maybe do a loop or whatever it is, uh, that's that's just fun. You know, it's, it's, it's like little girls and jump roping, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That just sounds scary to me, so I'm so glad it's fun to you. So, oh, upside down in an airplane? Oh. No, you could do it. I, I actually took my wife up in a two-seat jet and let her do a, a roll, and she just loved it. She was a little <gasps> oh scared God. to do it. And I said, you just do another one. Now you've done one, and you won't be scared the second time. So she, know, was, she was pretty proud of that. Oh, I, I'm proud of her for doing that too. Your wife is, she's one of my heroes because throughout my, your book, how supportive she was, how she was with your kids during the time you're in the Air Force, how she was your cheerleader throughout that. Um, how did you balance that family life and, and the military? Family came first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and... Decisions that we made, like my uh, combat tours and things like that, uh, Patsy and I discussed them uh, until we agreed mm-hmm. together. Uh, I didn't do something that she didn't agree with, and and I think that was important as far as my career went because my career was totally different. I mean, when when we drove from Hampton, Virginia, to Victorville, California clear across the country and she's five, uh, uh, eight months pregnant with our fourth child, uh, I thought she was a real hero. And, uh, you know, we got there and, and the baby was born three weeks later. But, you know, she was just that kind of a person. She was just uh, somebody that I, I cherished her decisions and, and her thought process. Mm. She definitely became one of my heroes as I was reading through your book. Just seeing her underlying support and what she was doing, you could tell that you were both a teen. And I think that's something that I wanted to highlight and just admire because in in this day and age, it seems that a family sometimes is put second and you were such a beautiful example of having high accomplishments in your life and high family priorities. And that I think actually having your high family priorities seemed to contribute to your high accomplishments because they were that driving force and helping you with that. And I, your wife was definitely the driving force with you and you were such a team throughout 
throughout your experience. It, it was beautiful to me. Well, I, I still think families come first. <laughs> I think that's probably one of the wisest pieces of advice that anyone's ever given. That's so true. Um, and then you also mentioned, so you counseled about your combat missions too. Um, mm-hmm. That is such a point where I'm so grateful. Thank you for going into service and doing that. And how was that emotionally, um, knowing that you were going into a combat situation? How did you prepare for that? Well, I was anxious to go because that's what we trained for. Mm-hmm. You know, we flew every day and, and uh, uh, we were preparing for combat. You know, we dropped bombs. We, we shot the guns. Uh, we, we did... Uh, you know, dog fights and things like that. And, and it wasn't just to have fun every day. It was to prepare for combat. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the, the thing. But uh, <laughs> with a lot of things about combat, it's different because, you know, they're shooting at you. When you're just practicing, nobody's shooting at you. And uh, especially in my combat, uh, uh you know, I flew a lot of a lot of missions. I, I was over there twice with Patsy's uh, permission because we talked yeah. about it, especially my second tour. Uh, and that was more dangerous than the first tour. I didn't tell her that, but uh, she, she found out <laughs> fast enough. But, uh, you know, combat... You see all kind, all kinds of things. You know, people get scared. I don't want to do this. I'm going to get shot down. Uh, you can't think that way. You you think you've got to think that uh, you know you're going to go out and do your job, and whatever happens, happens. And uh, you know, I'm pretty lucky, but I can tell you why I'm lucky. And it's okay to talk church a little bit, isn't it? Okay. Well, uh, my patriarchal blessing, it, it uh, says that I'll be preserved from the ravages of the elements, whether on land, sea, or air, and that if I live the gospel, I'll have peace of mind and heart in times of apprehension. And I can, I can tell you that uh, in my 55 years of flying and my uh, times in flying jets all the time I've never been scared while I've been flying honestly uh, because you're always thinking about what you're going to do or what you have to do and to me it's a waste of time to get worried and say hey I'm going to get shot down I mean I've dodged missiles and I've had uh, flak all around me I mean I, I flew in combat I flew a 79 foot long fighter 21 feet wide in the wings and I've seen flak in front of me on the left on the right and behind me in the mirrors and I never took a hit in 136 missions I never took a hit mm-hmm. and uh, you know I just look back to why and I think it, it had a lot to do with uh, those blessings mm-hmm. I mean that's little religion but I think that's possible for anybody. I don't care whether they're religious or not. I think you got to think that way. That's beautiful. I, I love that. Whether you're religious or not, that that belief in something greater, higher, 
or an act is so beautiful that brought calm. I what I've pulled from your story is really you were quite the successful pilot. And a lot of that success I think came from two three sources. I well, uh, yeah, I think three four sources as I've listened to your story is your family, which you chose to put first, mm-hmm. higher power for mm-hmm. you God, beautiful, mm-hmm. and preparation. That's mm-hmm. the third one is a lot of preparation and those three things I think anyone can apply. And, you know, I think it's a lot different, your story, than the world says right now, because they say a successful career looks like working from, working 14 hours a day and it's thinking of only in you and achieving, achieving, achieving. And although it takes, success takes a lot of energy, uh, you showed right there three things that contributed to, to your sex in a very poignant way that's very different than what the world says and I think so much more sustainable and beautiful is those three things family higher power God and and preparation those three things really contributed to a beautiful life for you mm-hmm. yeah that's true and and when somebody uh, you know you can look at that and say yeah I'm gonna work 12 hours a day and it'll make me better uh you can play tennis 12 hours a day and it's not going to make you better if you can't, if you don't practice how high you're going to toss the ball to serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are techniques and there are certain things that you do during those 12 or 14 hours or whatever you're going to do. And uh, you've got to know how to do those and, and maximize uh, the ability to do what will uh, make those hours better so it, it's not a you know i may have five thousand hours of jet time but uh <laughs> so what uh, <laughs> the, the thing is can i make a better landing can i make a better takeoff can i do a better loop uh than uh, somebody that has more or less uh flying hours it, it's i think it's what you have to have to do it's more the little things and than the exhausting things i guess i can put it that way wow does that make sense that totally makes sense because i'm thinking of times that as a musician i've just done hours on a piece and gotten nowhere and then stopped and taken it smart practice where i'm doing small (laughs) individual drills on a certain note um and that makes sense i've never applied it to such a a wider range of my life of this like career and said working smarter and all that. And that was beautiful. We are so grateful that I'm just so grateful you've come on and you've shared with us parts of your life. And as we're wrapping up, we always ask one question to our guests on the podcast and I want to ask it to you. And that is what is one piece of advice you'd give your younger self to boost your confidence? (laughs) Well, uh, I guess if I had to look back, I'd probably say something like, uh, hey, Harold. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good start. (laughs) I may have a a different home environment, but I'm just as big, as smart, and as capable as any one of my friends. Jump in there, you sissy. I'm as capable (laughs) as anybody else. (laughs) I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. 
<laughs> that is my favorite. I, you know what? That is the best piece of advice. <laughs> I love it. Would you read that one more time? I, that just made my whole day. Hey, Harold. I may have a different home environment, but I am as big, as smart, and as capable as any one of my friends. Jump in there, you sissy. I'm as capable as anyone else. I just want a letter like that that I read to myself every single morning. I hope that you treasure that letter, that you read that to yourself and that all of our podcast listeners, they, I know they should write a letter like that and are, are loving that that advice, that, that what you would say to your younger self. Truly, your story is inspiring. And I want to make sure that our listeners can, can have access to your book, though. Why do I find myself in these situations? Incredible book. Where can they buy that book? Uh, it's, uh, supposed to be, I guess it still is, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon, uh, if they're local, I, I, I can get books to them. Uh, so it, it's on the market. Perfect. Yeah. If you just Google it, it's really easy to Google. I know um, on Amazon, I'm going to read the title out one more time is why do I find myself in these situations? You'll see a picture of him in his uniform on the front. You'll know it's the book, but why do I find myself in these situations? Amazing book. It was easy to access on Amazon and there's a couple other places that you can get it from. Um, mm -hmm. We are so grateful that you've taken the time to come and and talk to us and share your story. It has been inspiring and it's been inspiring to read your book, to hear your philosophies on life and to hear your your service. And thank you again, not only for being on the podcast, but thank you for serving. It has made a difference in our country and it, it, it truly touches me. Truly, thank you for being here and thank you for your service. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And uh, it's been fun for me. I'm, I'm happy to have met you and to uh, help if there's any any way that, that it helps. So I appreciate uh, it. This has been fun. I'd like <laughs> to meet you sure. in person sometime. <laughs> I know. I've got to come over and say hi sometime. <laughs> For our listeners, it's all we're, we're doing a virtual recording. And we are so grateful. You have helped us immensely by sharing your story <clears throat> and by sharing the, the experience you had. Truly, thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. After every episode, I'm amazed at what each of our guests have accomplished in their lives. They inspire me to go for my dreams and seize opportunities. The reality of life is that every opportunity and dream has a financial implication and knowing how to manage and grow your money will not only help you achieve your goals, but also get to them faster. Utah Money Moms has been a resource for me to learn how to better manage my money and turn my dreams into reality. Their website is full of interactive material to engage all learning styles. My favorite resource is their free monthly webinars where I can listen and have my questions answered by financial counselors and educators. Head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to access free empowering material. Again, that is utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.